friends this is brian russell here in beautiful portland oregon and i'm thankful for you and the ability to be part of this community with you and i'm so thankful for john and the ways that he's ministered to me um, as i know he has you as well and i'm also excited to be part of this favorites series and i want to introduce my favorite episode of all time which is a vision worth living and I love this episode because I absolutely love, love, love uh, the story of Mabel. And I encourage you, if you haven't heard this story, take the time to watch this video, hear Mabel's story and let it inspire and encourage you. And I hope it does as much as it has me. Okay, over to you, John. Hi guys. I love you. I want to talk to you today about having a vision that is worth giving your life to and will sustain you through any circumstance. Because there must be a vision that can compel a firm decision to arrange our lives around the methods through which we receive power to become who God called us to be. That is a vision of life in God's kingdom. I want to tell you about how God brought it to reality in the life of one very ordinary person. A friend of mine named Tom Schmidt wrote about her many, many years ago. Her name is Mabel. This is her story. You think about your vision for your life. The state-run convalescent hospital was not a pleasant place, Tom wrote. It is large, understaffed, overfilled with senile and helpless and lonely people who are waiting to die. On the brightest of days, it seems dark inside and smells of sickness and stale urine. I went there once or twice a week for four years, but I never wanted to go there. And I always left with a sense of relief. It's not the kind of place one gets used to. On this particular day, I was walking down a hallway that I had not visited before, looking in vain for someone alive enough to receive a flower and a few words of encouragement. This hallway seemed to contain some of the worst cases, strapped onto carts or into wheelchairs, looking completely helpless. As I neared the end of the hall, I saw an old woman strapped up in a wheelchair. Her face was an absolute horror. The empty stare and white pupils of her eyes told me that she was blind. The large hearing aid over one ear told me she was almost deaf. One side of her face was being eaten by cancer. There was a discolored and running sore covering part of one cheek, and it had pushed her nose to one side, dropped one eye, and distorted her jaw, so that what should have been the corner of her mouth was the bottom of her mouth. As a consequence, she drooled constantly. I was told later, that when new nurses arrived, the supervisors would send them to feed this woman, thinking if they could stand this sight, they could stand anything in the building. I also learned later that this woman was 89 years old, and she had been there bedridden, blind, nearly deaf, and alone for 25 years. This was Mabel. I don't know why I spoke to her. She looked less likely to respond than most of the people I saw in that hallway, but I put a flower in her hand and I said, here's a flower for you, happy Mother's Day. She held the flower up to her face and tried to smell it and then she spoke. Much to my surprise, her words, although somewhat garbled because of her deformity, were obviously produced by a clear mind. She said, thank you, it's lovely, but can I give it to someone else? I can't see it, you know, I'm blind. 
I said, yes, of course, and pushed her in that chair back down the hallway to a place where I thought I could find some alert patients. I found one and I stopped the chair. Mabel held out the flower and said, here, this is from Jesus. That was when it began to dawn on me that this was not an ordinary human being. Later, I wheeled her back to her room and learned more about her history. She had grown up on a small farm that she managed with only her mother until her mother died. Then she ran the farm alone until 1950, when her blindness and sickness sent her to the convalescent hospital. For 25 years, she got weaker and sicker with constant headaches, backaches, stomach aches, and then the cancer came too. Her three roommates were all human vegetables who screamed occasionally but never talked. They often soiled their bedclothes, and because the hospital was understaffed, especially Sundays when I usually visited, the stench was often overpowering. Mabel and I became friends over the next few weeks, and I went to see her once or twice a week for the next three years. Her first words were usually an offer of hard candy from a tissue box near her bed. Some days I would read to her from the Bible, and often when I would pause, she would continue reciting the passage from memory, word for word. On other days, I would take a book of hymns and sing with her, and she would know all the words of the old songs. For Mabel, these were not merely an exercise in memory. She'd often stop in mid-hymn and make a brief comment about lyrics she considered particularly relevant to her situation. I never heard her speak of loneliness or pain, except in the stress she placed on certain lines in certain hymns. It was not many weeks before I turned from the sense that I was being helpful to a sense of wonder. I would go to her with a pen and paper to write down the things she would say. During one hectic week of final exams, I was frustrated because my mind seemed to be pulled in 10 directions at once with all the things I had to think about. And the question occurred to me, what does Mabel have to think about day after day, week after week, not even able to know if it's day or night? So I went to her and asked, Mabel, what do you think about when you lie here? And she said, I think about my Jesus. I sat there and I thought for a moment about the difficulty for me of thinking about Jesus for even five minutes. And I said, what do you think about Jesus? She replied slowly and deliberately as I wrote. I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those kind who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks wouldn't care much for what I think. Lots of folks would think I'm kind of old-fashioned. But I don't care. I would rather have Jesus. He is all the world to me. And then she began to sing an old hymn, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I'm sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. This is not fiction. Incredible as it may seem, a human being really lived like this. I know. I knew her. How could she do it? Seconds ticked and minutes crawled, 
and so did days and weeks and months and years of pain, without human company, and without an explanation of why it was all happening. And she lay there and sang hymns. How could she do it? The reason, I think, is that Mabel had power. Lying there in that bed, unable to move, unable to see, unable to hear, unable to talk to anyone. She had something that you and I don't have much of. She had an incredible power. Here was an ordinary human being who received supernatural power to do extraordinary things. Her entire life consisted of following Jesus as best she could in her situation. Patient endurance of suffering, solitude, prayer, meditation on scripture, possibly giving when she had a flower or a piece of candy to offer. Imagine being in her condition and saying, I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me, you know. See, this is Psalm 23, come to life. This is the vision. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, I'll I'll tell you a wonderful little part of this story. I knew Tom Schmidt because we went to college together. He's a brilliant guy, got a PhD from Cambridge. Tom would go through suffering of his own kind. He wrote this way back before I started writing books, and it was endorsed, among other folks, by a philosopher by the name of Dallas Willard. And when Dallas endorsed Tom's book, what he wrote on it was, wait till you hear about Mabel. So now Dallas, once again, many, many decades after she is gone, many years after you have gone, we have heard the story of Mabel. And now I want to invite you today to reflect What is the vision that you have for your life? It must be about something. And that something must be about more than just climbing a ladder, accumulating stuff. Must be something so strong that if you have to spend 25 years in pain and solitude with no explanation, it will give you the power to endure. This is life in the kingdom of God. This is the vision of Jesus. God, would you help make his vision a reality in our lives? Would you make that power come once again to ordinary people like us? Help us remember Mabel and her friend Jesus today. Amen. Hi, thanks again for joining us today. My name is Tim, and I'm a member of this Fellowship of the Withered Hands here at becomenew.me, and I'm a part of the team here. I just wanna let you know that if you want prayer, we would love to pray with you. You can text in prayer requests at 855-888-0444. We've been receiving those all this week, and it's been just incredible to get to stand with you in prayer. The other thing is I want to do a shout out to Karen Rupert and Linnell Miller, both members of our Facebook group, that we're hoping we would play that very episode with the story of Mabel. So I'm glad that worked out. And if you're a part of our Facebook group, we would love to find out what your favorite episode is. We have a poll going there. You can vote. Um, And at the end of this series, we're going to play your pick, 
your vote. You could also text in your vote or you could email us at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. We've got more coming up. And so until then, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.